0: Welcome back to So Money, everyone, Sunday edition. This is Ask Farnoosh, where I... Turn the tables, turn the show, flip the show, and make you the star answering your questions that have been streaming in all week. We had a lot of great questions yesterday, so if you missed the Saturday episode, make sure that once you're done with this, you click on Ask Farnoosh 167 and listen to the amazing questions people have asked, uh, everything from, you know, should I go to grad school? Like, should I actually go get my MBA? I've got some answers for you. And uh, another person was asking about resources that he could tap into to get a foundational understanding of a lot of the stuff that we talk about on the show from you know uh, just everything you know how to invest, how to buy real estate, how to think about money and so um, I gave some resources great resources uh, shameless plugged resources <laughs> in the Saturday episode today though, we've got some other questions about oh you know uh, just getting financially up to speed after a divorce got questions here about um, getting married soon and needing some advice about how to manage money and also a question about um, starting over after a bit of financial turmoil in someone's 20s and how to kind of get back up to speed and and take baby steps to make for a better financial life. Um, So without further ado, let's get right to it. I have a question here from Steve, my fan Steve. He says, hey, Farnoosh, I'm recently divorced. I'm uh, Divorce after 30 years, so the ex is getting a huge chunk of my 401k rather than alimony dragged over dragged out over 10 or more years. I have about 12 years until retirement, so I need to invest as much as I can to rebuild my retirement savings. Do you have any advice for how to set the investment risk bar or balance my risk for the next 12 years while I'm still working? So, Steve, I assume that you're maybe in your 50s, you say you want to retire in the next 12 years. So, I would definitely take advantage first and foremost of the catch-up contributions provided in your 401k or your uh IRAs. The, those that are 50 or older can save $24,000 this year in their 401k. That's an extra $6,000 than those under the age of 50. So, definitely do that. That's step 1. As for the mix, you know, there is this rule of thumb uh, that you take the number 100, you subtract your age, and that, that that remaining number is the percentage of how much you should be safely invested in equities. So that includes mutual funds, index funds, ETFs, and stocks, uh, individual stocks, although I don't like individual stocks really. So, and the rest you would want to put the other, you know, so if, let's say you're 55, I don't know. So then you have 45% roughly that you would could comfortably be in equities in your portfolio the rest 55% would be in things like bonds and money market and cash safer investments the idea being that you know you're getting a lot closer towards retirement you don't want to take on too much risk but this is just a rule of thumb and a, a, you know i would say that it sounds like maybe you might want to work a little longer as well to bring in that income if you can to so that you don't have to tap your retirement uh savings so so quickly. So this is just my overview kind of advice to you, but I would say what I would also do if I were you is speak with at the very least the plan advisor that comes with your 401k, somebody at the plan provider who is informed, who can give you who can look kind of the the historical trends, look at your portfolio, give you some very catered advice based on uh, your performance to date and then also what your goals are going forward, your risk tolerance, giving you some uh, some more accurate investment advice and strategy. And so – but I would say you don't want to be super aggressive at this point. Uh, I, I would also, again, rethink your target retirement date, maybe push it back a couple of years to take advantage of added income. And finally, definitely withdraw from Social Security as lo- late as possible. So the deadline to start withdrawing from Social Security for everyone is age 70. You can start as early as, I believe, 62. However, uh, the longer you wait to take that first withdrawal, the more money you will have at your disposal. And it's pretty significant. So go to ssa.gov. That's the Social Security website. And... First of all, just see what your potential social security payout would be. I'm not sure if your wife would get any of that. I I don't know what the settlement of your divorce was or how that works in the grand scheme of um, social security. Sorry, I'm not that educated on this. But at the very least for yourself, go check out what your uh, anticipated uh, social security payout will be in retirement. And then what the comparison of like waiting until you're 70 to take it out, I bet it would be pretty – Uh, impressive because I just saw some numbers the other day. It's like you could end up with almost double the monthly payment if you wait till 70 as opposed to taking out at 62. So if you can wait off, hold off on that, that could also be another way to maximize your retirement savings. All right, Steve, good luck to you. Okay. Uh, Keep in touch and let me know um, what you decide. Elizabeth, Writes in and she says, hey, Farnish, I'm getting married in November. Ah, oh, congratulations, Elizabeth. She said, I would love some tips for how to combine our money. Should we keep separate accounts for personal spending and a joint account for bills? Or just combine everything? Are there some ground rules we should establish as we are starting off? Thanks. Well, Elizabeth, I'm... I think there are various schools of thought on this, and this is why I think you're coming to me with some questions because you've probably heard a variety of things. If you ask me, I think you should have three accounts, yours, mine, and ours. So if you've got joint expenses, then maybe you have a joint account from which you pay off these joint expenses. And how do you fund this joint account? You take an equal percentage of your income, an equal percentage of your partner's income, and you pool it and you put it, and that is your joint account. And then so you have to first do some math and see what is the total monthly expenses that you have together that you want to share and equally. So just hypothetically let's say it's $1000. So you may have disparate income though. So for for you to put in 500 and for him to put in 500, that may be uh one way to go about it but if it's if your incomes are really disparate like if if you're making 3 times as much or he's making 7 times as much as you I don't know what the situation is then in that case maybe you want to decide on an equal percentage so that you each pay an equal percentage um that still gets you to a 1000 but isn't 500 500 so maybe it's um you know he pays 10% of his income, you pay 10% of your income, but together that it does equal $1,000, if that makes sense, because his money is maybe a lot higher, or your income is a lot higher. But the bottom line is, is that you do have a shared account for your shared expenses. And then you have your own account, and he has his own account. And it doesn't have to be, you know, an offshore account. It doesn't have to be a private account with no passwords revealed. Um, <laughs> it's just a siloed account for you, that is your, your financial freedom, your place to store money that is going to be used for your intentions and your thrills. And, you know, you don't have to ask for permission and, and like, likely for him and, and the same for him. What I find a lot of times with couples who are in disagreement over money uh, is that more often than not, there is a shared account, one account. Well, that's just really tough sometimes because especially if you're getting married at a point in your life where you're used to having your own financial autonomy, having your own uh, financial life, you know, and you've built your own financial life, you've been saving and spending on your – as you like, as you wish. Now when you becomes two, you know, all of a sudden pulling everything together and having to have, you know – joint committee decision about everything, you know, and then feeling as though you can't spend your own money because it's taking from the family pot all the time. Well, that can create a lot of tension. It can create a lot of resentment, I find, in many married couples that are unhappy financially. So do yourselves a favor. Have your own separate accounts. And again, this is an equal percentage that you're putting in. Maybe you're putting in 15% of your income or 5%. I don't know. What that percentage is is completely up to you. It's not for me to say, um, but it's for you to enjoy. And I would just say keep the lines of communication open at all times with your husband. Commit to that. You know, don't just talk about money when it becomes an issue. Have fluid conversations about money. Maybe you start listening to this podcast with him every day. Maybe you both read a book together. You send newspaper clippings um, or links, rather. I mean, like newspaper clippings. Who does that? But you send a link to an article that you thought was interesting relative to what you might be going through in your life financially. So you just have this constant attention to your finances. Uh, and it has to be conscious because it's not going to just happen without you paying any attention to it. It has to be um, a very active proactive efforts so that would be my wedding gift advice to you congratulations on uh, walking down the aisle soon i hope that you have a great wedding november wherever you are hopefully is a beautiful time of year in new york it won't be Um, (laughs) but maybe you're looking for a winter wedding which is also very cool and romantic so elizabeth thanks for your question and i look forward to hearing about updates from you priya says hey furnish i need help i am 33 living in boston I made a lot of financial mistakes in my 20s. I opened a few credit cards, I did not make payments, and I let them go into collections. I have a student loan from college, and I missed payments on those too. I lived paycheck to paycheck, and I had virtually nothing in savings. When I turned 30, I decided to change my financial ways. I paid off the debt from my credit cards, and I stopped using credit entirely so I would not get into further debt. I started making loan payments on time, and I built up my savings. I currently have $8,000 in savings. Despite this, my credit score is still under 600 because my student loan is currently at $37,000. I rent my apartment. I don't own a car, so my credit-to-debt ratio is pretty bad. I recently tried to get approved for a new credit card so I could boost my credit, but I was declined. What is your advice for me? Well, Priya, it sounds like, I don't want you to get discouraged. It sounds like you're doing great. You're making a lot of strides. You've hit a wall a little bit with the credit score, but don't worry. Time heals with this good activity and making timely payments on your student loans. Uh, your, your credit score should improve. Having a credit card would be better, though, and I know that's hard to get because your score is low. So I would say try to open up a secured card. Have you ever heard of this, a secured card? So it's similar to a credit card, but rather than give you a hefty line of credit, the bank will give you a small line of credit that's equal to an amount that you deposit out of your own pocket. So it's kind of like a debit card. And usually it starts at around a few hundred dollars and your activity on the card is reported to all the major credit reporting agencies. And so it's helping you establish better credit just like a traditional credit card would. And it's the, this is a secured card is typically for those people who don't have access to credit because they're maybe new to the country or they are suffering from credit, from bad behavior in the past. They had a bankruptcy, a foreclosure, uh, delinquencies, and they can't qualify for a traditional credit card. So they get a secured card, which is like a traditional credit card on training wheels. You put the collateral down. And then you basically are borrowing from yourself, but you have to pay back yourself on time every month for about six months, for about a year. And then after that, you usually will graduate to a real credit card. But what it's great, what's great about a secured card is that unlike a debit card, your activity is reported to the credit reporting agencies. So you are effectively improving your credit score, assuming you're doing well with this secured card. And so. That is what I would recommend you do because you can't get a regular a regular credit card. Try to get a secured card. You can shop for offers at bankrate.com. You could just walk into your local bank or credit union. They probably have one. Um, watch out for some fees, however. So if you go to Bankrate, you can actually probably find out which cards offer the lowest fees. They're not a lot of money, but maybe it's a couple percentage points of the balance. And so... Uh, rather, of the limit, which is the money that you're putting down. So just be aware of that. And sometimes there are no fees, but so that's why you want to do your shopping around and do your homework. And uh, as I said, after repaying off this balance on the secured card every month for about a year, you could, you're could you likely going to be eligible for a real credit card, and that's really going to help with your credit too. So that's what I would do. April writes in. She says, this is a request to please interview Paula Pant from affordanything.com. I love her saying, which is that you can afford anything, you just can't afford everything. would love to hear her answers to your so-money questions. Thanks. April, uh, today's your lucky day because I'm friends with Paula and I'm kicking myself for not having invited her to the show sooner. And so I just, I saw your question and I emailed her uh, and she's on She's booked. She's on the calendar and I'm happy to say she'll be on the show later this summer. So stay tuned and thank you so much for that guest tip, that guest recommendation. As I say to all my listeners, if you ever want to hear from someone that you're ad- admiring, that you'd like to follow, that you want to hear more from and maybe see and hear more about their financial perspectives on things, they don't have to be financial experts. Maybe it's an athlete. Maybe it's a politician. Maybe it's a, you know, I can't guarantee I'll get all these people on the show because they're busy and Maybe they're poo-pooing podcasts right now, you know, cause, you know, podcasts are sort of, they're cool if you, if you listen to them, but sometimes people who are used to being in the traditional media don't really value the benefits of being on a podcast, but they'll get, they'll come around. They'll come around. But I'm, um, so I'm happy to say at the very least, Paula, who's awesome. I agree. She's fabulous. She's everyone check out affordanything.com. That's her website. She will be on the show later in July. So that is a wrap, everyone. Thanks so much for all your questions, April, Priya, Elizabeth, and Steve. Good luck, Steve. Uh, And good luck to all of you. See you back here tomorrow for a fresh episode of So Money. Let me check the calendar and see who's on. (laughs) Hang on, hang on, hang on. Tomorrow we've got, oh, this is great, Tamson Fidel. For all you New Yorkers listening to the show, Tamson is the co-anchor of WPIX's evening news. So she does the 5, 6, and 10 o'clock anchor uh, shows, evening news shows, but also she's come out with a new book called The New Single. So if you're newly divorced, newly broken up, and you want to get back on your feet emotionally, financially, career-wise, Tamson has got the goodies, and we break it all down with her tomorrow. And also the rest of the week, we've got Um, uh, I'm replaying Mr. Money Mustache this week on Friday because it's uh, right before July 4th. I wanted to have some good car listening, driving listening for y'all as you are headed to the beach. So uh, lots of good stuff coming your way this week. Hope to see you back here tomorrow. In the meantime, hope your day is so money.